It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, and I'm even going to go on the tail of what, what Pastor Dave even said about God being able. It says, for this cause, this is a prayer of supplication that Paul, breathed, he, he penned it, it was breathed by the Holy Spirit, a prayer of supplication, that's one of the nine different types of prayer that are showcased in the New Testament. So many people don't know how to pray effectively because they just are not flowing with the Holy Ghost. When you come out of prayer, you should almost feel like you had a really good meal and you're just completely satisfied that you accomplished everything. You know, and we have to be careful because we're charismatic Christians, right? So this is what we do when we come to prayer. We come and we'll yell and scream and just pray in tongues the whole time. And is that good? Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes you're praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit will say, hold on a second. I need you to declare some things that you hear and know what you're declaring, right? We need to know how to flow with him, right? Have you ever, because sometimes you'll come out of prayer and you're like, well, that was just really good, but I have no idea that we accomplished anything. And many times it's because we're just kind of flowing ourselves, and when we flow ourselves in our personal lives, sometimes we tend to flow, try to flow like that with the Lord. And so being sensitive to him, and um, how many of us will miss it in that area? Um, every one of us, starting with me. And you know, how, you know how bad that is? It's not. It's not. He is a loving father. The Holy Spirit is gracious. Sometimes, you know, you get out there and he'll just kind of have to reel you back in a little bit, right? And he'll help you. And every time you mess up, he's right there to help you. And sometimes you do life-devastating messes and he, he comes and he fixes all that too. None of it moves him because he's so good and he loves you so much. But look at what it says here. This is a prayer of supplication. A prayer of supplication is a prayer that you could pray for yourself. It's a prayer that you could pray for others. Many times when you're praying in your prayer language, you're actually praying prayers of supplication for yourself or for others. And what that is, the prayer of supplication is a prayer for a believer that helps them lay hold of the plan of God for their life. So as an example... If your marriage is a disaster, the Holy Spirit will stir you to pray a prayer of supplication that helps you lay hold of what will completely restore your marriage. I mean, it's just amazing. When you, when you don't know what to do, and, and if you'll ever, when I, whenever I come to prayer, many times I don't know the direction so many times what I'll do is I'll pray in my prayer language because when you're doing that, you're praying the perfect will of God. And many times as you're praying, then all of a sudden you'll start to get a flow and you'll start to sense a move. And then you just, you just walk in that and you jump in that and, and everything. And it's just wonderful. So this is a prayer of supplication. And it said, for this cause, 
I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, what is he going to grant you? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. In other words, Paul is praying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you and I, because this letter was written to the body of Christ, that you and I would be strengthened with might by his spirit. Well, what is he going to strengthen us with? He's going to strengthen our spirit man with his spirit, our inner man. And then it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. See, as, as the Holy Spirit energizes and strengthens your spirit man, now Christ is able to dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. What happens when you do that? What happens when Christ dwells in your heart by faith? This is what happens to you. You get rooted and grounded in love. Okay? What does that mean? You get rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves you. And when you realize that his love is greater than any condemnation, guilt, or shame, it's greater than anything, and all of a sudden you come to a place and you're like, wow, he loves me. He's not moved by what I've done. He's not moved by where I'm at. And you begin to start to see that all things are possible to him who believes. You start to see that, wait a minute, there is a hope and a future for me. Right? God is a God that could bring dead things back to life. That keeps rolling around in my spirit. So this is, this is really amazing. And then it says here, after you're rooted and grounded in love, you're going to be able to comprehend something. And here's a real key. Look at this. You comprehend with all saints. So you don't do this alone. What does Satan always want you to do whenever you mess up? He tries to get you alone. He'll use any means possible to keep you from coming around all saints. Because he knows this. See, this word comprehend, it literally means to lay hold and make something your own. But we don't lay hold and make things our own by ourselves. This is, this is a huge thing. We were not created to be alone. We get everything together, right? So it says here, may be able to comprehend with all saints, what? What is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Wow, it's beyond your intellect. His love is way, way beyond. 
that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What is that talking about? That you might be spiritually mature. That's really what he's talking about there. Spiritual maturity. Do you see how it all comes as a result of Christ living in your heart by faith, which comes as a result of the Father granting that your spirit man be strengthened by the mighty Holy Spirit. And does God ever say no to that? No, 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 no. He wants that for you every moment of every day of your life. Do you deserve it? Absolutely not. Are you worthy of it? Yes. Are you worthy of it because of you? No. But you've been made worthy. Why? By the blood of Jesus. Isn't this amazing? That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And now look at what it says. It leads all of that up. Now what, now what is the revelation that you get with all of this? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think but then look at this it's according to the power that works in us what is that power that's the holy spirit strengthening your spirit so that christ can dwell in your hearts by faith right so that now you literally can comprehend the love of christ which surpasses knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. When you're in that place, now you know that your God and your situation is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask, or look at this, above all that you could ask or even think, but this works according to that power that's working in you. Isn't that amazing? So I'm here to tell you, he is the God of miracles. All things are possible to him who believes. And it is all about Jesus. Man, we look for spectacular things, but there's nothing more supernatural than that. Right? Look at this. According to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Wow. See, God wants you to lay hold and make your own all that he's provided for you in Christ. In other words, it's all about Jesus. What do you think the Holy Spirit does to strengthen you? The Bible says he is the spirit of truth. Well, what is truth? It is God's word. He's the, he's the agent of divine revelation. He will take the word of God and reveal it because when he reveals it and opens it inside of you, as a result of you putting it first place in your life, power is released right? Revelation knowledge. The word is full of life. It's full of power. It, it causes you to see and know things. And you need to know today 
that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. That means you haven't messed it up too much, right? Well, that, that is for somebody. You have not messed it up too much. And for that person or that, those persons, maybe all of us, literally, it's not too late. It's not too late. And God will help you. You don't have to understand the how. You just got to be willing and obedient. I, I, I feel a big sense in my spirit that just hear me, that this, would be a, this would be a prophetic word. It's inspired utterance from the Holy Ghost. Just do what you know to do. Because you know what to do. God's dealt with you, and you just haven't made that adjustment, and it's caused you to lose more and more ground. And it might appear that there's things around you right now that just you've destroyed them because you haven't done what God's prompted you to do. I'm getting a sense, prompted you maybe for two, three, four years, maybe longer. Right? Just start doing it. He's able to bring dead things to life. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. But it's according to that power that's working in you. Well, I'll tell you, the greatest power that'll ever work in you is when you get a revelation that God loves you. I mean, he loves you with everything that he is. Amen? So let's talk about the key. Because this is the key. This is where it all comes from, the word of God. Right? So let's go, let's go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You guys doing okay? Hallelujah. John chapter 1, verse 1. I might not say anything you haven't heard before, but I pray that you hear it fresh and that you go deeper in these truths. It says in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You can never separate God from His Word. Eternal life, John 17, 3, is knowing the one true God. Well, how would you know him? Through his word. And Jesus Christ, whom he sent. How would you know Jesus? Jesus is the word. Jump over to verse 14. It even says that right there. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh. In the Greek language, it would read like this, and the word seized hold and took upon himself flesh and dwelt among us. I love this word, and tabernacled. That's what that word dwelt means. He tabernacled with us. Literally, they got a picture of the word of God in Jesus. He was the perfect picture because he, he is the word of God. Right? And it says, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So Jesus is the Word. Don't think this is ink on a page. This is Jesus. Right? So now let's go to Revelation chapter 19. 
Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. So now we're fast-forwarding a couple thousand years to the second coming. Revelation chapter 19, in verse 13. Well, it's so good, we better read verse 11. So this is the second coming. This is an event that you and I will be there with him. Right? This is going to be a glorious day. It's going to be a pretty intense day for the people of the earth. But it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness doth he war, or doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame, boy, it's hard to read this, of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. I wonder whose blood that vesture was dipped in. And his name is called the Word of God. So we see in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. So that means in eternity past, he is the Word of God. Then we fast forward maybe million, well, we can't even measure it in time because it's outside of time. Then we fast forward all the way to when Jesus hit the earth and it says, now the word was made flesh and he dwelled among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten son of God, full of grace, full of truth. Then we fast forward about 2,000 more years and now after the tribulation period, here comes Jesus back to earth to set up. He's not coming as the sacrificial lamb. Now he's coming, good feeling gone to the earth, right? He's coming as the judge. He's the judge, the righteous judge of all the earth, and he's coming to make war with unrighteousness. Not much of a war, right? I stood on the mountain where Elijah slew the 490 prophets of Baal, and you could look out at the valley of Megiddo. And it says in this battle, that blood will run to the horses, is it bridle? Which is about over four feet. And, and this is a big valley. But this is, this is and, and he's coming, and his name is still called the Word of God. Boy, Satan will try to keep you from reading the Bible, right? And if you know, this is how you do it. And you have to be very, in our church environment, you have to be very focused. So we're going to take a test right now. Because so many Christians, they think they're so spiritual. But here's the test. How much time have you spent reading your Bible this week. Now, just smile, right? Just smile, look, just, just, right? And you'll know if you're living, you'll know the degree of deception that you're living in in this way. 
If you haven't read your Bible at all, you're living in uttermost deception. You're not seeing anything as it really is. Right? If, then you've got to take another test here because a lot of Christians will read the Bible for what they can get. And that never works. But then there's those of us who finally figured it out through messing up and doing all this stuff, but we keep running back to God. We start going, wow, Jesus is the word of God. The word is full of life and power. And, it, and the word of God is what produces everything in your life. The word of God is what will produce everything in your life, your whole life. I hope that encourages you to get in the word. So now, so this, we know Jesus is the word. So now go over to Colossians chapter 3 in verse 16. And I love what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write here. Colossians 3 verse 16. Yeah, but pastor, I just don't have time to read the word. That's okay. You're just living a deceived life. You're living your life deceived. And what that means is you're living your life as you are your own Lord. And there's no life in that. So I want to encourage you, you know, turn the TV off. Turn it off. And there, boy, right there you have hours. You could, you could become a spiritual giant right there, right? Does that mean you can't ever watch TV? No, 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 no. We're not saying that. As a matter of fact, you'll enjoy some of the things on TV a lot better if you're full of the word because you'll know what to watch and what not to watch. Right? Colossians chapter 3. Saw, saw a great movie. What was it called? The Champion. It's called, it's called Champion. It's on Faith and Family Channel. I would encourage you to watch it. It's about forgiveness. It's really cool. There's some good stuff out there. So it says here, look at this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let. This word means you have to allow this to happen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Do you ever realize, like, when, when you speak the word against the enemy, have you ever noticed sometimes it doesn't just change immediately? Because those demonic influences that are set against you, they're hearing you say this. But they're going to stay in there because they're going to be like, wait a minute, is this just something that they heard? They don't really have revelation of? This is just something they're saying? Or is the word dwelling in them richly? Because if it's dwelling in them richly, man, there's anointing and they're not going anywhere. Right? Satan, I bind you, I command you to leave. And I'm not, I'm not just walking away. You will leave. In Jesus' name. Right? And I'm telling you, when, you, when the word is dwelling in you richly, things happen. Because the word of God is the most powerful thing in the world, in the universe. The word of God. We have to let it dwell in us richly. Look at this. It says, in all wisdom. 
We were talking a little bit with the men about this Saturday. But see, what happens is when the word, when you deposit the word in your heart through putting it first and meditating in it, then the Holy Spirit opens it and revelation knowledge comes of the word of God. So now you're starting to see things and know things, right? It starts getting etched on your heart. It, you, you just, you gain revelation of it. It becomes part of you. Well, now what happens is what comes out of that word on the inside of you is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is not of this world. It's not man's wisdom, it's, it's of God. It comes out of the word of God, and what it does, it enables you to apply the word of God to your individual situation right now in such a way to get the results that the word promises. That's why the word has to dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And it's real interesting, if you go, go here, it says, teaching and admonishing one another. Again, we see revelation flowing as you're around other people. If there's one thing that is so prevalent in the, in, in the Christian church today is we're so busy that we're not in community. So we come to church, if we come to church, we come and then we just leave and then we live our own lives. And if we do that, see, what happens is I get up to here with what I need to do for my own life. And, and I'm literally, I have no love for my brothers and sisters, which is the breeding ground of revelation knowledge. It's the breeding ground for laying hold of things. And so, so we have to get back to the fact that, man, the local church is so important. Spending time with your Christian friends is so important. You can surround yourself with people that don't know God and are not walking with him, and, and you will live just like them. Because there's too many distractions in the world right now. See, why, why in the church right now is the word not dwelling in people richly? I can't tell you how many people I've met that, that have, you just see the gifts dripping off of them. Teaching gifts. Ministry gifts. And they actually even think, because they could quote a few scriptures, that they are full of the word. And, I, and you feel like just going, oh, man, you're not even in the same realm. you got to walk through the door and get over yourself and fall in love with what he falls in love with. And, you know, that's the place where all of a sudden, and, and you'll see people, if th this happened to me, because, man, when I came to the realization of this, you don't just grow gradually. Because all that word is there, and when you finally get over yourself and you put the kingdom of God first instead of your children, your family, and everything else in your life, you put the kingdom first, everything changes like immediately. And you just, you just go from here to here, and you start walking in things that are amazing. And what happens now is now you're able to love your wife. 
love your husband, be more of a, a better parent, be, be more uh, equipped in your ministry or in your career, because now who's propelling you is God. The word is dwelling in you richly. I don't know why I'm getting off on all this other than to say that everything that is produced in a Christian's life from God is produced by his word. Everything. Take the pressure off yourself. What's going to change the organ in your body? What's going to change the joint? What's going to bring the money in? The word of God does that. Right? And it must dwell in us richly. Guys, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't preach this, but this is so important. I love when people step out and they just start trusting God because God will do exceeding abundantly above all that they ask or think. You can trust him. It's amazing. So let's jump over to Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. You guys doing okay? Just realize if I'm stepping on any toes, um, I'm stepping on mine first, right? God is, he's just not moved by messes that you make. Because the messes you make are, are literally nothing compared to his word, to what he can do. He can turn anything around. It's amazing. It's amazing. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says this. He goes, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and you're not doing the things which I say? That made no sense to Jesus. The reason why is because if you're not doing what he says, he's not your Lord. Now, you might, he might be your ticket to heaven. You might have gotten born again, and he's your Lord. But what I mean by that is you don't really, you're not living like he's your Lord, so you're not going to get any of the benefits. Now, now, you know what? Going to heaven, missing everything on the earth, and going and spending eternity in heaven is much better than the alternative. Praise God. But why not have days of heaven down here? Right? Because, I mean, he's life. And then he said this, Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he's like. He's like a man that built a house and dig deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock well what is the rock the rock is revelation knowledge of god's word which is revelation knowledge of jesus notice it says that a storm came it didn't say it may came it says a storm comes to every one of our lives but when your life is founded upon the rock What is that? How do you get founded upon a rock? By hearing and doing the word of God. When the storms come, they won't shake you. And I would like to tell you there won't be any more storms, but let me just tell you the truth. The storms will get bigger. 
But here's the good news. They will never get bigger than God, not even close. So they'll never be able to shake your life. Could you imagine nothing ever shaking you again? That's God's will. Notice, notice you had to dig deep. How do you dig deep? Well, that, you, have to, you have to get over yourself in this. You have to crucify the flesh and put the word first place in your life. Right? And that's, that's, that's a big thing. And, and trust me, you're not just going to go, okay, yep, I'm doing that, and then from now on you'll never mess up. No. You, you know, we adjust and repair, and, and you know, you let things slip and then you grab them. But I'm telling you, there's a place where you won't be doing that much anymore. And maybe not at all, but you grow into it, and the Holy Spirit helps you. God does not want you moved by anything that's going on on the outside. He doesn't want you moved by any of it. And we're not strong enough without him to not be moved, right? So then it says, But he that heareth, verse 49, and doeth not is like a man without a foundation that built a house upon the earth against which the stream beheat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You know, there's, there's things you got to realize. Have you ever noticed it's easier to read things about the Bible than to read the Bible? There's a reason for that. Satan doesn't want you to read the Bible. Yeah, but I don't understand it. Well, nobody can understand it without the Holy Spirit's help. Right now, you could learn some things intellectually, but that doesn't mean you know anything spiritually. Right? Notice the same storms come to both houses. Have you ever been in the ocean and the waves are coming and, and like you're standing on sand, and if the waves are big enough, you know, they hit and, and all the water comes in, and man, you're standing there, and what seemed to be a solid surface, when that water started moving, all of a sudden, have you noticed, your feet are starting to go down and it's crooked, and then the water starts coming back? It's just all of a sudden, well, that's exactly the way it is. You, you go through life. And you're not in the word of God and you think, I'm okay. And then a storm comes and you're not okay. And, and here's, here's what happens with people. They'll have some things going on in their life. You know, I'm 25 years old. I don't even think about my body because I'm in pretty good health and all this stuff. I'm living my life. I'm doing my own thing. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not living for God. I, I'm gonna, I might do that later, but you know, sometimes I even look at some of uh, some of the older people that are actually living for God, and I kind of go, you know, they're kind of that's just, they're just narrow-minded and they don't understand anything. And then you go through life, but this is what happens in life. There are storms coming, and 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 you not if you will get hit by something that's beyond you. You know? And that's just because this is the valley of the shadow of death. God knows that, and God wants you ready for that. Because no storm is ever supposed to shake you. 
It's not supposed to steal your joy. It's not supposed to steal your peace. It's not supposed to destroy your finances. It's not supposed to destroy your body. No storm is, is able to do that if a person will just stand on the rock, which is revelation knowledge of the word of God, which is revelation knowledge of Jesus, who is the word of God. So what are we talking We're talking today on how to be strong, right? So you're in Luke. Go to John chapter 8. Let's go to John chapter 8 in verse 31. You guys might have heard this verse, this passage of scripture before. So Jesus, he says to these Jews which believed on him, he said, if you continue in my word... That means if you remain, if you abide, if you endure in my word. Do you know, we all know what enduring in the word means, don't you? You're believing God and the enemy is constantly talking to you about, but what if it doesn't work? I mean, look at your life. Chris, look at your life. You have no evidence that this is working. That's when you have to endure in the word. How do you do that? Because the word is dwelling in you richly. The word is your strength. Everything. You're, the Holy Spirit is there strengthening you on the inside so you don't let go. Jesus said, you are my disciples. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth. This is the Greek word genosko. This literally means to perceive and understand and know intimately. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. In John 17, 17, Jesus said, my word is truth. So you could read it like this. It it does not take away from it at all. And you shall know the word And the word will make you free. What makes you free? The word. Take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to make yourself free. This is not about you. This is all about him. I hope you leave here today with some hope and and excitement in the fact that God's word can change everything in your life everything but you must continue you know you have to continue in the word remain abide and endure in order to know in order to genosco the word it says that there's a time coming in the not too distant future where multitudes will stand before jesus and they'll say lord Didn't I preach? Didn't I lay hands on the sick? Didn't I go do this for you and do that for you? And Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me. I never genoscoed you. I never knew you intimately. Not I knew you and then you walked away. No, I never. So this is, we're we're living in these times of self-deception. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's imperative that you let the word of God do its work. 
or do his work in your life. Right? God wants you to know him intimately. And he'll walk you right into that. And it's all through his word. This is huge. So let's keep going with this thought. Let's go a few more chapters later to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Let's, let's start, let me see here. In about verse, verse 21. John chapter 14, verse 21. It says, He that hath my commandments. This word hath means he that is holding my word. And keeps them. So he that has, so he that holds on, let's say this is the word of God, he that holds on to the word of God, and then it says, and keeps them. That means to keep my eye on them. So I've grabbed, I've grabbed hold of the word of God, and I'm keeping my eye on the word. If my eye is on the word, is it looking at anything else? No, it's, it's, I'm, so it says, he that holds my commandments or holds my word and keeps my, their eye on the word of God, he it is that loves me. Well, brother so-and-so, man, they really love the Lord. Well, what's the litmus test? If you want to know if you are loving the Lord today, well, you know, I came to church. Of course I love the Lord. Well, the Bible doesn't say coming to church proves you love the Lord. It says if you're holding his word and you're keeping his eyes on, on his word. He it is that loves me. Wow. And he that loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. Wow. That means, this word manifest means, I will uncover, I will reveal, I'll make visible, I'll make visible myself to him. And remember, you hunger after spiritually what you feed on. So how do you start this whole process? Just start putting the word first place in your life. What does that mean? When you get up, Go read the word of God. Now, if your breath's really bad, you know, go brush your teeth first. Because maybe, you know, you, might, you don't want to gross yourself out if you're... Because you should read the Bible out loud. Right? So you could hear it. You put it first. It means that when thoughts come that are telling you you can't have what God said he already gave you, no, I'm going to hold on to the word. I'm going to keep my eye on the word. Do you, do you see how, how God, God's litmus test, by how, he knows if you love him, it's all with what you do with his word. Isn't that amazing? It just, it just clarifies it. Right? Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep right? He will keep. It's the same word you used as in verse 21. 
He will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode. See, this word keep, again, it it means also to attend to, to be careful with, to guard. This is not just, you know, I flip open my phone, I read the verse of the day and go, oh, that made me feel good and I keep going. Right? That's why it's not working for a lot of people because they're all about them. You're not created to be all about you. Real life begins where you start to be all about other people. And that's when things start changing, right? That's when it really, really, really gets fun. So you're in John right here. Let's go to John 15. Look at now, right after that, look at what he says in verse 7. So now he's talking about abiding, and then he says this, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide, if you remain in me, if you endure in me, and my words remain in you, you will ask. This word ask means you will call for, you will require, you will make a demand for, Whatever you will. Seriously, pastor? So I could get anything I want? Yeah, because when you're abiding in him and his word is abiding in you, your will and his will are completely the same. You see that? And you'll ask, you'll make a demand for, you'll require, you'll call for whatever you will and it shall be done for you. That's amazing. So then he jumps over now. If we go a lot farther, let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1. Guys, I could tell you as the pastor of Faith Family Church, there are so many spiritual giants in the making. And what I mean by that is there's so many people that are literally this far from their lives being completely different. And I'm telling you, the difference between this and this is here, you're totally frustrated. But man, if you'll ever make the little adjustment, you go from totally frustrated to new life, power, joy, peace, And you start seeing things happen in your life because you are about the kingdom. You're about others. It makes you a better husband. It makes you a better wife. It makes you more effective with your children. It it, it births ministry. All this stuff. So many Christians are literally one adjustment away from stepping into the will of God where they've been frustrated for years because it seems like there's all this stuff in my heart that I want to do, but I can't do it. I just, it just never seems to happen for me. It's because you've got to do what I do. You have to get over yourself. I had to get over myself. I'm doing all this ministry. I'm ministering 300 times a year. 
And I'm not, the, I'm not a provider for my family. Uh, yeah, the word was producing things, but I knew it was so frustrating because it wasn't right. But when I got over myself and made one adjustment, the anointing upon my life exploded and God started going to work and I was concerned and not, not carrying cares, but I was focused on others and on God's kingdom and man, restoration, healing, provision, everything started happening. One little adjustment. One adjustment. James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, but be, a do, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There's so many Christians that are self-deceived because they listen to so much word, but they don't hear any of it. Because they're listening, how can this bless me? How can this, how can, how can, let me, let me go, man, I got to listen to this teacher and this teacher and oh man, you know, I love, Pastor Tony's not my pastor, he better be careful what he says or I'm out, but boy, I sure like that soothing voice and I, and I love the way he, I'm, he's my little teacher. He, 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 oh, hi, Pastor Tony. Tell me, make me feel good. That won't help you. And then you go on, you go on YouTube and you're listening to this. Oh, I love, oh, Keith Moore, right? Oh, man, but, uh, but this guy over here, right? And man, I used to love Joyce Meyer, except one time, man, she started preaching and she said something to me and it just ticked me off and I'm out, right? We got to get over that. When you get over yourself, the Holy Spirit just leads you. And it's just easy. It's easy. Look at what it says here. Verse 23. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. He beholds himself and goes his way. Goes his way. This is what happens to so many Christians. They come and they listen because it's Sunday and I, I kind of feel good about myself if I go to church. And then as soon as the service is over, they go their way. Right? Man, don't be like that. Right? Don't be like that. Do you know during this sermon... People have turned us off because of some of the things I've said. Right? During, now, now, I have to preface this. I never really pay attention when people leave and people have to go to the bathroom. I'm not talking about that. But you know, people have left because I said something that they didn't like. And they'll be back three to six months from now. Why? Because the Lord's stirring them and he's trying to get them back. And man, sometimes they'll stay for a little while until I, you know, something hits that nerve of not this area, don't you touch this area. Right? Pastor, you just speak really nice to me and, and don't please, I'm not forgiving this person. 
So don't even, if you say the word forgiveness, I'm out. I can't do it because I was really, really hurt. And all the time Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I want to take away that scar so you're never bothered by that again. Right? You know, I'm standing here as an example to all of you that I'm so glad God never gave up on me. Right? I mean, seriously, I thank God every day that, that he just kept wooing and wooing and wooing. And now I'm standing here today, you know, doing something for his kingdom. And, you know, he's still working on me. I have not arrived. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, my wife's like, <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> but we're all a work in progress. So love one another. Meet them right where they are. Listen, realize we all have stuff. It takes some time to work through stuff. But when you get, you surround yourself with people that say yes to the Lord, it's easier for you to say yes. And here's what it really is. You just, you got to give them this. You know, it's like he's just, because he won't take it. He's like, just give it to me. Tony, this is hurting you. Just give it to, but, but some, some of these things, I just, I don't know how to live without this, right? But that's where he will come into your life and he will teach you that you can trust him because when you give things to him, it just breathes. It's like you feel this breath of Zoe life go right through your body and it helps you. See, we don't want to go our own way, Right? He beholds himself, goes his way, and immediately, at once, forgets what manner of man that he was. See, when you hear the word of God, when you look and peer into the word of God, you actually see things as they really are. You see yourself as you really are, not as you seem. You may be sitting here today seeming like you know, I'm just a person, I don't really have any desire for God. And I don't want to tell anybody that, because gosh. But that's just, that's just how it seems. Today, if you know the Lord, and I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that Jesus is living in your heart, listen, you are hungry for him on the inside. And he'll help you to start seeing things as they really, really are. Right? So let's keep going with this. But whoso looks, this word in verse 25, looks and keeps on looking into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this work, this man will be blessed in his deed, in his doing. Right? So let's, let's look at an example in the Bible of how the Word of God works, and you'll see some of these things. Go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Um, in, ver in chapter 3, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, in verse 3, let me, I'm going to pull it up here so I could streamline this thing. Bear with me one second. Yeah, here we go. Okay. So, Mark chapter 4, in verses 3 through 8, Jesus tells a parable of the sower. Okay? Then, in verse 9, he says to them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. 
This is the key to the parable. The whole key to this parable is he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And this word hear literally means he who has ears that are hearing. You know you have ears to hear because you're giving your full attention to the word of God. You're literally hearing it going, I am not only just focused on this, but I will do what it says. Now you're hearing, right? The mystery of the kingdom of God we're going to learn is he who has ears to hear. In other words, this whole parable, which Jesus said, if you don't get this parable, you won't understand any of them. The whole parable is based on hearing God's word. Everything is based on it. Because see, here's the deal. What does all the work, what changes everything in your life is the word, not you. Oh, Satan doesn't want you to know that. So now verse 10, and when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. So now we're seeing a picture of who has ears to hear. Right? So, Diane, I think of you when I think of this. Because you know what she's going to do? She's sitting here just absorbing. You're like a sponge. But what are you going to do when you go home? You're going to listen to this again, aren't you? Yeah. Do you do that all the time? I do. Yeah. So so this this is what happened with Jesus. He told this parable, and then he went. He went home. Or he went to where he was alone. And the people who had ears to hear, who are like, wow, that was life. I got to understand this. Do you get more maybe when you listen to it a second time? Yeah, because it's the word, right? Now, if if I ever preach on my opinions, you won't get any more. It'll be, yeah, right? But if it's the word, it'll get better every time you hear it. Because you're hearing it more. So these people went back to him and asked him of the parable, and he said unto them, unto you, you that came back and asked me about this, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without. What do you mean without? Without ears to hear. They just went home and started feeding the goats and doing all their stuff. All these things are done in parables that seeing they may see, but not perceive, not know and understand. Hearing they may hear and not understand. This word understand means they hear it, but they're not able to put it together and comprehend it. Lest that any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. So then he goes on, verse 11. Oh, I'm sorry, that was verse 11 and verse 12. But let's, let's look back at verse 11 here. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is literally saying to these people, I'm about to explain to you the very mystery of the kingdom of God. Wow. The basis of how everything works in the kingdom. We might want to know that. Right? The foundation of everything that I'm here to teach. Wow. In other words, from this parable, you can see the pattern 
that unlocks everything. Everything in the kingdom of God. You know, you know some things in the kingdom of God are really good. Financial abundance, healing, joy, peace, hope for your future. This is what unlocks it for you. And what keeps you from it is hardness of heart. That's what causes a person not to give their full attention to the word of God. Well, how did their heart get hard? Literally, it's just they just got too busy. For us, it's a little different. You know, the early church, man, they were under great persecution and all this. But, you know, I mean, you live not very many years ago and you worked sun up to sundown and then you're at home. But not now. Right now, you work from home and you have this, an iPad or an iPhone. Your office is there all the time. And when you go to work, you're just busy and there's distractions and there's all this stuff. It's so easy to not have ears to hear. But the Holy Spirit knows how to help you during this time. See, Jesus said in verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. In other words, have you noticed that God's really not making it super easy on you to walk in all these things? They don't just, like Brother Hagen would say, they don't fall off like ripe cherries off a tree on you. You have to dig for it. Why does God do that? Because he knows he wants you to grab hold and make the word your own. He knows there's an enemy. If he made it to where it just automatically worked, you would never walk in much for much for very long because the enemy would just steal it from you. He's a good father. You'll have to dig for it. You'll have to be committed to it. Committed. That's a word, right? Submission, commitment, woo. That's where I'm out of here word, right? Don't tell me what to do. So here's God. He wants us to have everything that Jesus has provided for us. However, as a wise father, he knows that the total commitment on our part will be necessary to hold up against all that the enemy will bring against you. He knows that. So verse 13, and he said unto them, Know ye not this parable, then how will you know all parables? In other words, you have to understand this parable to understand them all because this parable is explaining this truth that the Word does it all. Everything is about the Word. And now in verse 14, he's starting his explanation. He says the sower sows the Word. In Luke 8, 11, Talking about the same parable, it's, it's Jesus, Luke's account, he says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So we know the seed is the word, right? The word of God in this parable is likened to a seed that is sown into the hearts of man. Do you know your spirit grows things? Your spirit will grow your healing. It'll grow the house. It'll grow everything. But what, what happens is the word of God, the seed of the word, has to be planted in your heart. 
And we'll see in this parable that the sower, this is how amazing God is. He sows the same seed in every soil. He goes to a person that right now is wayside soil and will still sow the same seed. God is no respecter of persons. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that Jesus died on a cross for the sins of multitudes of people that he knew would never receive him? But yet he still bore all of that because he's no respecter of persons. The seed produces different results based on the soil. It's really interesting, even though the Word of God is the most powerful thing in the world, the Word of God, the results that the Word produces is limited to the soil of a man's heart. Jesus said this, be it according to you, be it unto you according to your faith. The results are not dependent upon the seed. The results are dependent on the soil. That's amazing. Right? But we have to know that. So so everything is about having ears to hear and guarding your heart and keeping the soil of your heart rich and moist. See, this explains why people get different results with the word. Because it's different soils. And this tells me that the Holy Spirit will teach you and lead you into being good ground. He will just do that. So the parable is dealing with the condition of our heart when we received the the word of God. So in other words, the word of God in us is what produces fruit. Okay? Verse 15. So here's the first type of soil. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. How does Satan take the word from your heart? Because he can't touch your spirit. How he does that, and we'll learn, he just makes a person doubt. If you doubt it, he could take it. Right? So we got to learn this. Wayside ground represents people with no interest really in the word. I'm living my life, yeah, whatever, I do that church thing, but I have no real interest and they get absolutely no results. But if you keep listening, if you keep feeding, if you keep watering the word of God, Satan cannot take it. Isn't that amazing? He can't take the word from you if you continue to water it. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. So we see wayside ground did not produce anything. People doubt it and they get no results. Satan takes it. Now stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. This word root in the Greek means they have no moisture in themselves in other words they stopped watering the soil of their heart with the word so this is what this looks like a person sits in church and and i come out and i'm ministering the word and they'll hear the word of god and they'll go wow that's my answer 
This is my way out. This is awesome. This happened to me I don't even know how many times. But because, see, and I was even in the Word all the time, but I was in the Word for me. I was in the Word to learn some principles. But where I really was is I thought I was worthless and that God, how could he ever want me? I'm just trash. So I wasn't really hearing any of it. The soil of my heart was not moist. But if I live in the word and I keep the soil of my heart moist, I won't be stony ground. Because see, they have no root, no moisture. They're unwilling to water the word in themselves and so endure for a time But afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, why does Satan come to afflict and persecute you? It's not because of you. He doesn't really care about you. He's coming against the word. Because the word's what produces. So look at this. When affliction, that's tests, trials, and pressures which produce an attitude in you. Have you ever had this? Where you're just believing God and you're just finally going, man, this is just too hard. Right? What Satan, have you ever, you start believing God for finances and the washer breaks down. And then the brakes go out in your car and you're like, you know, people come to Faith Family Church and man, they talk about how God wants them blessed and then things start going wrong in their life. And they're like, whoa, time out, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going, back. I'm going back to this church where, man, nothing used to happen to me. But i got to tell you, there's no place like that. Right? So that's affliction. It produces this attitude, this is just too hard. See, when you have that attitude that it's too hard, you're trying to do it, you're not letting the word do it. Or persecution, persecution, have you ever done this? You're starting to believe God. And you go share that with some of your family. Or some of your friends. And they're like, Pastor Edwin, who do you think you are? You know, people that have not received from the Lord will come out of the woodwork and go, that just makes me sick hearing it. Who do you think you are? Why would God do that for you? He wouldn't do it for me. Has that ever happened to you? Why does that come? Satan's just trying to take the word. He's trying to keep you from watering your heart. It says, and immediately when this affliction and persecution comes to stony ground, because they're not watering the word, they're dry on the inside, what happens? They get offended. And here I'll give you a whole series on offense. This Greek word, it's all found right there. When you become offended, you're entrapped, you're tripped up, and it will always cause you to distrust who you should be trusting. I've seen it pastoring, I've seen it so many times where people will leave a church where they're they're hearing the word of God and they're growing, or they will leave friends that are really good for them. They get offended and they leave and and they get away from people that are really helping them. I'm thinking of one young lady years ago. I watched, you know, she had some real issues that came from the way she grew up and she was self-destructive. One of the most gifted 
ministers I've ever seen. And all these ladies were around her, some powerful women that loved her so much, and she pushed every one of them out. Why? Because of where she was. She, was, she got offended. See, that's why the Bible says, if you love God's word, you won't get offended. Verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns. So here's thorny ground. They hear the word, but look at what happens. Satan does not come against thorny ground. He gets to go on vacation with this person because he doesn't have to do anything. It says, they hear the word and the cares of this world. This is what the cares of this world will say. I don't, you know, I just don't have time. Pastor, I, I don't have time. I mean, I come to church. It's all I could do to come to church, but don't ask me to do anything. I just, I don't have time. That person is up to here. They're, 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 they're thorny ground. They, they don't have time. Is it real? Yeah. I mean, how many of you really feel like you have a lot of time? <laughs> are you kidding? All of, all of you guys are going, yeah, wow, no right? No, the reality is, but this, when you give into this, you'll sit here and go, I don't have time. I don't have time. You know, I, I will serve God as soon as I get this under control. Then that, have you ever noticed it doesn't ever happen? It never happens. So it says, here, let me get back. I, I hit these iPads, man. I jump back into stony ground. I'm like, wait a minute, time out. This isn't right. The cares of this world, here's the second one, the deceitfulness of riches. That's, that's not just a person who's greedy. No, most people, they're just, I just need more money. Right? I, I, need, to, I need to put more time into my job, my career. I need to put more, thing, more time into these things other than God's word. I just, I, I have to focus. I'd like to be in the word, but I'm just too busy. I'm getting a business off the ground, or I'm trying to, you know, this, the market's really volatile, or man, I just, I don't make enough money, so I need a second job. Pastor, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that with people. I need to get a second job. Be real careful. Because what that normally means is, and you know, for a season, I won't be in church. I've never met one person where that, that that happened where six months or a year later, their life is a complete disaster. you got to be careful. And the lusts, or that word lust means the desire for other things. And that's where a lot of people are today. It produces an attitude that says, you know, pastor, that's great for you, but I just don't, I don't want to put God first. I'm happy right where I'm at. Right? That's thorny ground. Those three things will enter in and choke the word of God and it will become unfruitful. In other words, an attitude that you have can literally make the word unfruitful. So here's what that means. The desire for the things of this world become greater than the desire to continue to give attention to the word of God. We have to... Every one of us will deal with this. 
This person mixes everything in their life with the word. This person never gets to a place where they're totally committed to God. Always, if you're hearing wrong things, it's going to choke the word. In other words, thorny ground, this is talking about your way of life. If today you find yourself in thorny ground, know this, God's not mad at you, and the Holy Spirit will help you walk out of this. See, there's no work, so faith is barren. I've said all that to say this. The attention that you give God's word will determine what you will have. In other words, like Brother Hagin used to say, the word will work if you work it. And then we've got the good ground. I'm going a little late today. Good ground. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. That means to receive it, that means I approve it, I take it up, and I'm going to walk it out in my life. And bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. Why different results? The results are completely dependent upon your attitude towards the word. So 30, 60, and 100. So if you had to pick 30, 60, or 100, what would you want to be? 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold? 100. Here's the good news. You could pick that. What determines that? Your attitude towards the word. Because your attitude towards the word is really your attitude towards Jesus. So I hope that this has helped you a little bit. God, God just wants to help you. You know, everything that he has us doing around here is to build strength in you so that you can walk out God's plan for your life. And like I've been saying, it's coming up in my heart to say it again. Step number one is you've got to give yourself a break. You've got to take all the pressure off yourself. Put all the pressure on the word because the word can handle that. Amen? And the mighty Holy Spirit is on the inside of you He knows what you need to do, and he'll help you. Amen.